living the dream I'm in love with the lights This is not just a game This here is my life Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah Hello everybody Live from Koreatown on a muggy day a muggy Sunday, bloody Sunday. It is the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, Terry. I am computerless Joe Jackson right now. I feel anti-tech. How are you? Teched out. Teched up. You know, folks, uh, I don't pay to live expensively in California for humidity. So all of you people who live in the south and the east and all these other places where there's humidity, Take advantage of your cheap rent and land and everything else, but let me have my dry heat. It's right? We, we played a baseball game today, and they said it was going to be what? Humidity supposed to be gone, and I couldn't even it's, breathe out there. It's it's down now. It's down now. But <laughs> during the day, yeah, that didn't Late. help your game. <laughs> didn't help my game. <laughs> well, what kind of fantasy did you give in your game? Is what I, I want to know. You don't get anything for defense. Oh, you had a nice D today. A nice D. I struggled with the nice wood. Nice D, child. Nice D. But you haven't played. I haven't played in a month. That's how it goes. Yeah. It's hard to play against people who are playing consistently when you yeah. know, that's that's the recipe. One for four. With your wood. But then struck out, so gave you one. Uh, nowadays, who cares? Yeah, that's true. Strikeouts are A-OK. Speaking of which, we got a lot to cover. MLB is coming down to it for the Cy Young, the MVP. Uh, I think the Rookie of the Year is kind of a little bit clear. But we have uh, the wild card, which is still undetermined. And some big injuries have taken place over the last week. So we have a lot to talk about there. Uh, the NFL is popping. It's full-blown. Everybody's hitting me about our take on A.B. going to the Patriots and the way that he did it. Uh, we're going to give it to you, folks. We are going to it's gonna give it to you. And then a fight broke out in Las Vegas last night on Mexican Independence Weekend, on Mexican Independence Day, despite the fact that there were no Mexicans fighting. Uh, yeah. Imagine this Sunday, was bloody Saturday. Very, very, very close case of cherry picking gone wrong. Was. And uh And it could potentially ruin what's coming up in the future. It for Tyson Fury. But it but but he well yeah, yeah, you're right, potentially. And I'm lying, there were Mexicans fighting because the homie Jaime Munguia was fighting last night oh. as well, but that wasn't the card I was talking about. Liar. In Los Angeles that was not in the desert. But let's start out there with the heavyweight match that really I didn't expect much from. Nobody heard of of Otto Wallen. It was very interesting because everybody was calling him Otto Wallen until yeah. the fight started and all of a sudden you found out his name was Otto Wallen because he's from Sweden. And uh, Otto came to fight. Otto was not playing. Otto had a little bit of the baby Buster Douglas going because his father passed away right. uh, before the fight and he wasn't there for games. And Otto came out not intimidated. Or impressed. At all with Tyson Fury's 6'9 uh, frame. So if you didn't get to watch the fight, it was on ESPN Plus, whose interface is a little difficult to navigate. It is. Uh, a little weird. It's a little Hey, oh, it's getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> they get weird, but. I figured it out. I got to watch the fight, and Otto came out ready to go. And and it kind of it's a testament actually to what Tyson Fury said because there was a clip of Tyson Fury lounging out in Las Vegas in a in a hot tub, uh, talking about Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua intimating that he was fighting bums. But he was though because Walt Valen. Is not a bum, but he's he's a sparring partner. So he sparred with most of the heavyweights in the division, high end guys, the high end guys. But the thing of it is, is that you know that he just picked him because he thought he was going to have a cakewalk. It wasn't a thing where he went out there and thought he was going to have a real fight like he ended up in last night. 
Well, he signed that big deal. He got a hundred million dollar deal, and he's got to fill out the fights for that deal. You're saying that that's contingent upon him filling out certain fights for the deal, right? I do believe, and but also, it's just a, a matter of top rank needing a, needing a heavyweight and ESPN Plus needing a heavyweight, mm-hmm. and he's their guy. They've they've put their that's that's their horse in the race because the zone has Anthony Joshua, mm-hmm. Showtime and PBC have uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. and Deontay Wilder. And Bob Arum was kind of left out in the cold on the heavyweight hunt as far as somebody with a name. They signed Tyson Fury to big money, and now he's got a certain number of fights that he has to fight. And I also think it's a testament to them feeling like Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, too, could be towards the end of both of those guys' careers because they're trying to stretch that as far as they could. Neither one of them fighting each other directly after the probably the fight of the year that they had last December. Now, let's get back to what happened last night in the desert. So, very interestingly enough, but, but you know what? Let's play the clip. Um, don't be Jelby Ream, innit? That's all i got to say, you know. Eddie and Anthony Joshua, they're doing their own careers and their own jobs. Why should they be bothered about mine? Who I'm fighting or who I'm not fighting, what has it to do with them? Absolutely nothing. Mm. And they can be critical, they can do what they want. It's, it's like that on me. Water off a champ's arm, you know. I'm sure they'd uh, love to be here headlining in Vegas because last time I heard, a um, certain person got chinned when he came to America. So. Lucky for some. Don't be Joe, be Reem. Don't be Joe, be Reem. Just be happy for me. You know, because only 18 months ago, I was in an absolutely terrible place about to commit suicide. So if, I've not, if that's not inspirational for people or for some idiot like Eddie Earn to go on and try and talk negative about me, you know, I think I've done quite a, quite a lot for um, for people, so they've, they've got no need to speak negative. If I fight Fred Flintstone, what is it to do with Eddie Earnhardt? Um, don't be jelly with He can fight Fred Flintstone without any shoes off. <laughs> I'll take Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Would you? He's a caveman. Yeah. Savage. And what we saw in the fight is that Tyson Fury has no interest in a rough fight. And this dude made it rough. Oh, I mean, man. It was a grimy fight. The only thing that he didn't have was the, the finishing. He didn't know, he wasn't polished enough to know how to finish him off because besides rubbing his Wait, glove. You're talking about, you're talking about. Auto violin. Yes, but you're missing, for people who didn't watch the fight, and I'm sure a lot of people did not watch the fight. Auto violin came out very strong and he came out not impressed with Tyson Fury's uh, feints or yeah his style of boxing whatsoever and he went for broke and I appreciated that and the fourth round was it yes fourth or fifth round the fourth of no 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 it was he was already cut up in the fifth okay it was either fourth the third round. or the fourth round Otto Wallen connected on a left hook straight to Tyson Fury's right eye and it busted open like a grape like he had razor blades in his gloves I mean seriously they might want to test that but it was a sharp punch uh-huh and Tyson Fury does a lot of dodging punches by leaning into them. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, I, I'm very impressed with his hand speed, his foot speed, and his defense. Normally, this time he got caught. Initially, now this is a situation where replay actually worked out right. Because initially, they deemed it from a headbutt. Mm-hmm. And then the athletic commission went back and they actually watched the replay. And they saw that's just from a clean punch. And if it was from a headbutt, it would have come from Tyson Fury. Because Tyson Fury was leading with his head for most of the night. Right, but regardless of whoever it were to come from, it was a different situation if it's a headbutt than mm-hmm. if it is from Atovalin because what we come to find and what boxing aficionados know, if it's ruled from a punch and then the fight is stopped because the cut is too bad, 
the person who threw the punch gets a technical knockout. Mm-hmm. So turn to the fifth round. The the cut is wide open, and Otto Wallen is now where you just were, and he's pawing at the eye. He's jabbing at the eye. He even rubbed his glove in it after a break one time. Which I have to say, Otto Wallen came to win. Yeah. This is a dirty game, and he didn't come to mess around. But he could have got him out of there with just another punch like he landed to get the cut on his eye if he would have focused on trying to come with an overhand left or something like that. He didn't throw enough jabs or nothing to open that thing up to get him to completely leak so that they would have to say, that that's too much. And he was leaking all over the and place. And he was leaking all they over the place. They did everything they could to make sure that Tyson Fury had enough time to and let him win put the fight. Mobs and mobs of petroleum jelly on his eye. A lot eye. of grease on his eyeballs coming. Yeah, I mean, he was loom. He was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> like some of that fried chicken I had from Gus. He was I'm like, up. wow. Oh, Chomp. <laughs> Only problem I have with that take that we just had is that Tyson Fury refers to himself as Chomp, which all of the champs who have ever been champs do. I personally have a problem with this lineal belt. I personally There's have no such thing as a lineal belt. You didn't win, and the reason I, you didn't, you won the belts, but you don't have the belts. Because you vacated the titles. You did that. You did that. Tyson Fury, he gave them up. Nobody beat you. I agree. There's no disputing that. But But you gave up the belts to go finger pop. You did it. You did that. You gave up the belts to go drink and do some coke and live it up, which is your choice. It's we are in a free society. Artistic choice. It's an artistic choice. This was your artistic choice. <laughs> you decided to mute out the belts. Exactly. Now we can hear the belts. The belts were we very can't quiet. Hear the belts. The belts were quiet. So now you you want to make up something or comp to compensate for the mistake that you made in the past. Okay, I understand that he came. And I think he's an extremely inspirational figure. I do too. By the way. And I understand how he came back from everything and yeah. and whatnot, but it's still not right. I mean, you're taking it away from the actual champions who are Andy Ruiz and Deontay Wilder right now. Exactly. Because lineal. And that's all not, the belts. Yeah. And lineal is not good enough. If they're no. going, if they're going to make a belt for every time somebody makes up a title, then we're in trouble. Which is, which is a, a conversation to be had shortly after we finish breaking down this fight. Because please remind me because I, that's something else to talk about. So the lineal champion, whatever that means. Uh, because you could actually say Otto Wallen was a lineal champion because he'd never been beat. He right. just had never had a belt. And, and the, but the problem with the lineal thing as well is that I want to go back on to is that everybody's accepting it like it's okay. Yeah, yeah. But this is just goes to show how much the public gets hurted because the sheep of the public, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs something to be sold to them. Mm-hmm. And the networks know that. So the reason they pump a guy up is because they, they give him a title or a status. In this situation, Tyson Fury has the title and the status of the lineal champion. So that's supposed to make you feel a certain way that he's never been beat. Right. Well, there's a lot of guys who have never been beat. Now, granted, Tyson Fury beat the man while the man was the man. And that man was Vladimir Klitschko. And he won all the belts, pretty much. Right. And then he decided to go finger pop and do what he decided to do. He's now made it his way back. And one of the things that I felt like this fight was and the last fight was and the two fights that he had before the Wilder fight was, was situations for him to get into better shape. I've lost 80 pounds before in a short period. And you would think that you would become more athletic. But in real life, your way that your body works, it takes a little while for your body to reconnect. It's a weird thing that happens. And the athleticism that you have is at the weight that you've been at. And he was 400 pounds. Now he's back to 260, 265. That's a big difference. And I think his his coordination, his body is still coming all the way back together. 
clearly he can turn it on and he had it because he had it for the for the Wilder fight. But I feel like if his weight had been settled at during that Wilder fight, he might have been able to get him out of there. I thought that he could have got him out of there anyway. He just very, very he just didn't yeah. turn it up. He didn't and he, and that wasn't year. that wasn't his that, yeah, that wasn't his that call. Wasn't the plan. Yeah. yeah, his coaches told him to lay off uh, to lay off. So. In this fight, one thing that I saw that was impressive and unimpressive from Tyson Fury is Tyson Fury realized he was in a fight. He showed major heart because he decided he, sure man, he could tell that that cut was not right, even though he didn't need a mirror to tell. And he kept wincing and grabbing it and with his glove pawing at it himself. Yeah. And then he realized that he's a big man. And so what <laughs> suddenly he realized that he's 6'9", 260. And he started dropping bombs. Oh, my goodness. Only, I didn't know Tyson Fury had that in him. I don't agree with you, though, because we talked about it after the fight. I don't feel like he had anything in him because he's a dude at 6'9", that's 260 pounds or 265 pounds. And a lot of these guys that aren't even his size or weight put you to sleep with one punch. He's a, I agree with that. He's a, heavy, he's a heavyweight, and the heavyweight fighters can change, like a punch can change, like, that but with him it's not like that finger snap thank you but the acclimation of punches he needs the acclimation of punches or outpoint you and that's a problem for him against some of the guys that can hit hard because last night if he was in there with a more skilled or a refined fighter then he would have got put to sleep probably well here's the thing what, what i was impressed it? by was tyson fury imposed himself on Otto Wallen after the eye cut and you saw him leaning on him laying on him man Otto Wallen is very apt to have some some head damage after that. I think he's going to need a while to recover from that. He took 179 blows from a giant. From a giant. Don't get it twisted. If you see Tyson Fury in the streets, you would be impressed. He is a giant. Like he's in an NFL or yeah. M- NBA. He's a big, big dude. And what I had never seen him do was literally push people around and swing for the fences. He'd let it all hang out. He decided to go away from Tyson Fury, the boxer. I didn't see all those feints or any of that stuff. He went in there and just started slugging. Well, it was cool. He made the adjustments. That And this is what actually keeps him at the top of the pile mm-hmm. because he has more experience in fighting than I believe most of the other guys, regardless of their records. He has, a, a, a you can tell, a life experience mm-hmm. and the DNA of a fighter. Because Much like Andy Ruiz, who's been fighting since he was a little kid. Exactly. And he recognized, he said, wait a minute. This fight is about to get stopped, and I won't even be the lineal champion anymore. Right. And I got to go out here and dominate because if I even get in trouble with my eye busted open like this, they could actually stop the fight. But if he was fighting anybody else, or if it was the ball, the glove would have been on the other hand. Rather, they would have stopped the fight because if if Otto Wallen's eye was like that, they would have stopped the fight because this dude was in jeopardy of losing his vision, losing this his is eye. I thought yeah. I thought he was in jeopardy of losing his eye, and we have somebody to speak about it uh, that we're going to call shortly. We're going to have the a big doc, Dr. D, he's coming on. And my my point is, you know, Otto Wallen from round, say, six, five or six to round 11 was just trying to hang on. Right. And he was getting beat up. He was spent. And, and that was his problem. He didn't have enough stamina, and also he didn't have championship experience to know how to close the fight out. Right. His trainer did a great job, and his trainer was very honest and said, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on him because he can't just keep taking punishment like right. this because he was getting punished. In the 12th round... Otto Wallen found that big left again. He was like, hey, I got it. And froze Tyson Fury. In the middle of the ring, Tyson Fury just froze and was bent down. Deer in headlights. Get him out of there. One thing that Otto Wallen did not know how to do, and it was terrible to watch, but it's cool because I do want to see the rematch between Fury and, and, and Wilder. One of the things he couldn't do, he kept circling away from Tyson Fury's right eye. Right. 
This what is what are I'm you saying. doing? You're supposed to live there. You're he supposed to live there for, for rounds. I don't think, and, and this is something that the older heavyweights, when you watch a lot of heavyweights. Larry Holmes, specifically. Are you crazy? Larry Holmes would have had him leaking all in the they would have had to stop. The, he would have lost his eye. He would have lost his eye. Or- Larry Holmes would have had that jab so deep in that eye. It just it literally, he might have thrown 200 jabs a round at that point. Literally at the eye. <laughs> just at his eye. Nothing. I got and nothing else. you can't see, that's your problem. That should have quit. That's too bad. Yeah. That's too bad. You Your eyeball's actually on the floor. Wow. My, my problem with it is that they don't care enough about the fighters to say even his corner or not. I'm not going to say that they don't care about him, but they didn't care enough to me thinking about the big payday to say, hey, man, maybe we need to stop this fight because I don't it, I never felt like they felt that they were thinking, let's stop this fight. You know, his corner, his corner, Tyson Fury's corner never wanted to stop the fight. They never wanted to stop the fight. But this guy could end up losing his vision from the way that it looked. Well, and Tyson Fury again showed his championship veteran, heart, his championship heart. And his veteran status because there was a point when the ring doctor came over and said and looked at it, he said, Ooh, just opened up pretty bad there, huh, mate? <laughs> <He's-> <laughs> and then and Tyson Fury responded, he didn't say anything for a second. If you go back and watch uh-huh. it, he froze. And he said, I'm good, I can see, let's do it. <laughs> and he just jumped right in. Like I'm and and the translation of that is, yes, I'm willing to lose my eye. <laughs> right? Let's go. Because I got to get this dude out of here. And that's and, old school. And and he started dropping bombs. Now, he went they, crazy. He went crazy. But there is no dispute in the fact that anybody else that is in the heavyweight division in the top, say, four or five guys, Ortiz, Wilder, we know what time it is with Deontay Wilder, with Bomb Squad! Wilder, Ortiz, Andy Ruiz Jr., or Anthony Joshua. There is nobody that can stand up to 180 punches from those guys in one fight no. and can, and finish the fight. No. It's just not possible. Those guys. You're not going to do it. I would even throw Joseph Parker in there. Um, Dominic Brazil? I'm, what, who is Dominic Brazil? Dominic Brazil is outside right now. I yeah, but, but we're talking about Dominic who, Brazil can't even throw 180 punches. Yeah, but he's so out of he's got, he's got He's got thump. You know what I'm saying? And that kind of thump. Uh, I'm talking about sleep. the top guys. I'm talking about the top guys. I'm, I'm so disgusted by Dominic Brazil. I can see that. Don't even, don't, even, don't even talk to me about him. But <laughs> do we have Dr. D? What's up, guys? Uh, you tell us what is going on. By any chance, did you happen to see this vicious fight last night and this cut that the six nine giant took? That I wanted to know if he's in danger of losing that eye. No. One look at his forehead. You know, he's um, <laughs> that's the thickest part in the human body. He's lucky. An inch below that, he could hit the eye socket, which then caused, could have caused like a rupture of the muscle tear to go into the pieces of bone. Like you remember. Um, I used to play right field for the Miami Marlins. Now plays for the Yankees. Had the same kind of injury, but it was more on the cheek. Oh yeah, mm. like an impact fracture. Sure yeah. did from a baseball from yeah. a ninety-six mile an hour base, uh, baseball to the face. Yeah, Mike Stanton. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I watched part of it because you, you called me, but you know, I was the doctor for the um, World Boxing and Hall of Fame and all that kind of stuff. And um, right there is a perfect place to hit. Because um, it's so thick, it's the thickest part of the brain, and there's really not a lot of nerves there. And the only thing is, you have a, one or two little veins and arteries above the eyebrow. So they hit him once below, which is going to make it swell. Mm. And they hit him with that other one, where it went up and, and split almost down to the skull. It looks like, but um, yeah, there's, there's, it's not going to cause him a concussion or have any long-term side effects. Problem is that you see all the scar tissue under, around his eyebrows from all the fights. Mm-hmm. It's going to be slow to heal. Mm. So, you know, I wasn't in there when they stitched him, but you want to do with that kind of an injury. You have to do what's called subdermal, you know, with dissolving threads to get it to heal deep first and then and do an interrupted suture the rest of the way. 
But yeah, and you can, he's looking probably in three months, he could probably fight again without any major issues. Um, but, you know, he should speed it up. If he knows anybody that does, you know, some PRP or something like that, even just hypertonic saline, about five to 6%, actually will sclerose some of that down a little faster so it heals real quick. And it actually, the saline will increase the blood supply in that, in that area. But I think he's going to be fine. I think. But it, in that situation, Doc, is it apt, because we've seen this with boxers a lot, is it apt then to bust open more easily? Or does that have to do with how he's yeah, treated yeah, right that's after what, the that's fight? What you need, like I said, about three months. Um, you can get a mucous membrane like in your mouth and stuff to heal within a few days. But when it's in that thick part of the brain, I mean the skull and the front part, and off to the lateral, near what's called the zygoma, where the arch of the, of the, the sinus is in there, there's really not a lot. It's way too high to get him to get blood into his sinuses or into his nose. It's high enough to avoid most of the neurological stuff with your smell and taste. And the facial nerves, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. But it's just he's got to treat it right. You want to get it as healthy as you can. And you know my theory on, not theory, but I've been doing it for 40 years, with acute injuries in high school, college, or pro sports, I'll use a little bit of growth hormone, maybe two or three units on there twice a week, and it'll heal two or three times faster. Yeah, it's against the rules to use use HGH though in, in boxing, so they probably can't do that. They can. The reason that everybody, all the pro sports, don't like is because ninety percent of those guys get it in the gym. It's hard to control. Mm-hmm. And I've you know I've done it with uh, some athletes that are pro and, and amateur. Write a letter to their commission, NCAA, U.S. Olympic team, or to the NFL or or uh, World Boxing, and just say this is the injury. This is how much going to use the frequency. And it'll be done in, you know, like three to four weeks. And uh, I've never had them say no. Wow. But they usually do it. Usually it's really funny because growth hormone doesn't last that long in your body. But I've gotten notes from all the professional, you know, committees. And it says, okay, we won't test their blood for another three months. Well, <laughs> they get tested a week later, it'll be fine. So, but I said, great. <laughs> wow. You know, and that's the problem is, is these guys, you guys, you guys have played sports. Problem is you... You work out so much you, in baseball, like six to 10 games a week, mm-hmm. takes 18 to 20 hours for your, all your different hormones and stuff to start correcting for the injury, which means by the time you go out and fight again, you're probably 20 to 50% deficient. So it, it doesn't perf- make you improve performance. It just makes you feel faster. So, but I think, I think he's going to be fine. The only thing you got to watch is not where he could have an orbital fracture. And what you watch with that is you just got to make sure that their eyes track from side to side and up and down. Because sometimes the oblique muscle in there, if it gets trapped in any bone, the eye will stick so you can't move certain ways. Ooh. So that's all you have that's to do. And then terrible. I've never, that's seen, only? I've never seen like, <laughs> pardon? You said that's the only thing? That's pretty serious though, right? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, because, you know, and with the concussion committees, all these people are just, that's just like a, a phase everybody's going through. You know, how they, they find out if they had a concussion, they check their IQ. <laughs> <laughs> On the spot? And nothing against boxers, but why would you check somebody's IQ after they got hit on the head? You Come should on. check it before and then after, right? Exactly. I don't even I mean, think that they should do the post-fight interviews after a guy is concussed, let alone check his IQ. Most right. of these guys can't even tell you their own name right afterwards. Well, you know, I've been doing this 40 years. I even have professional kickboxers and mixed, uh, you know, cage fighters, and that's how I met you. Know, as a matter of fact, that's how we met you. I've, I've only seen two. I've seen two prolonged concussion injuries that resulted in pugilistic Alzheimer's. 
Jerry and Mike Corey, good friends. Oh, wow. I mean, they were obvious. But you know that the Irish fighters, they think their face is a third glove. So, <laughs> you know, it's more of a shaking baby syndrome than anything else. What's that? Wow. That's why you don't see a lot of guys in America fighting those Irish fighters because their head's thick. But no, I, he's going to be absolutely fine as long as they neurologically check out, you know, his eyes and in that area of the brain, if there's a contusion, you might have a little you know, short-term memory problems or focusing, but if they stick out their tongue and it goes absolutely straight, usually that means there's no subdural or epidural hematoma from an injury. But like I said, that, that brain right there part looks like a Kia compact car. I mean, it's, it's very bony and thick and not much to the brain other than the frontal lobe really sits there. So. I wouldn't worry about it. Well, Dr. D, just it's always a pleasure to have you bless us with your wisdom on the ozone. Awesome. I promise that I'll stop by sooner than later, but they've been working me sun up to sun down on this new gig, the unicorn. Hey, no, yeah, you and, no prob- um, and if you ever see your brother, um, tell him hi for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming in this week. Sure he this is. This week. All right. I'll be there. <laughs> All right, Doc. Okay, hey, thanks doc. a lot. Talk to you soon. Appreciate you, man. All right, guys. Love you. Late. Bye. <laughs> Great insight there. And ladies and gentlemen, want to leave the uh, option open if you guys want to call in, leave your take, and or leave a question for our fabulous doctor and medical expert. Uh, call in. Our number is 424-254-9663 or in the vein of 80s rock, 424 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Somebody squeeze it out of you. I did. That's what it was. Yeah, I did. That. I was just trying to sound like him. Uh uh, yeah, so staying in the in the uh, boxing, uh, I don't think there's anybody in the heavyweight division that's a better uh, trash talker than Tyson Fury. He sounded fantastic right. after the fight, despite the fact that he looked like he could have been potentially concussed because he froze for a second and then he got snapped into it. The camera came on. He was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody throwing nothing for me, Bo. (laughs) And he gave a little bit of that. But, uh, you know, I want to go over some of the results of the weekend, um, but not really going to go in-depth about it. We had some some women's fights that took place. Uh, Franchon Cruz, Desern, beat up on uh, Marjean. Uh, on a fight that she took in two days, which is, you know, what can you do? There's, it's very hard to beat anybody if you just catch them on two days without being able right. to train. Uh, congrats to Jaime Munguia. He stopped Patrick uh, Alote in the fourth. He wants to move up to 160. It's a golden boy situation. All that action was on Munguia the zone. looked good, but the, it was, the fight was anticlimactic because the guy gave up pretty much. And Munguia looks better because he's been working with Hall of Famer Eric Morales. Mm-hmm. And Eric Morales has been working with him on his defense and his offensive approach. So much of it, professional level, is about the training and the coaching yeah. and the, you know what you're getting. Uh, I would say the big news was Devin Haney uh, really showed out. Devin Haney had a great showing. And after the fight, he had a message. He said, uh, my next fight that I want, and I've been saying it, is Vasily Lomachenko. But now that I'm going to call him Nomachenko because he doesn't want to fight me. So potentially uh, Lomachenko has a fight on his hands at 135 if he wants it. Um, and who might have stole the show on that card was Heather Hardy and Amanda Serrano. Heather Hardy was nowhere near in the class of Amanda Serrano, who became, I think, a seven-weight champion with this one. Um, And the WBC, strangely enough, just gave away a belt at 126 that an ozone uh, friend of the ozone holds. 
uh, named Jelena Marjinovic, uh, who I, I don't understand. This is going to go into that conversation when we get there about the sanctioning bodies just making up belts. But what I want to talk about is the drama at Golden Boy Promotions because Golden Boy President Eric Gomez came out before the fight and before the card on Saturday night in Carson because there's been a lot of trash talk leading up to the fight that was supposed to happen between Ryan Garcia and Sparrow. Well, Sparrow got arrested for an old warrant that he had that the word on the curb is is that the, the, the city of Philadelphia knew that he was training and gave him an exemption to come train and work in Los Angeles. And somehow or another, they decided to arrest him the day before the fight. Well, that left Ryan Garcia without an opponent. Potentially, all of that happened on Tuesday. He gets arrested, and Eric Gomez comes out and says, Today, Sparrow gets arrested, and we tell Garcia's team Romero Duno is still willing to fight. Ryan turned him down and said, He's too tough. Duno's available. He's on weight. He's on the card, and Ryan turned him down. He doesn't want to fight him. Ryan Garcia is probably their second biggest star behind Canelo Alvarez. Mm -hmm. He's a social media giant. Uh, I think that his boxing ability is still suspect. He's been a lot better since he's been working with Canelo's trainers, Chapo Reynoso and those guys. But for some reason, Eric Gomez seemed to go at his own fighter, which didn't really make sense. And it sent this kid, who I think Ryan Garcia is 19 years old, 20 years old. It sent him directly to social media to address everything that happened. And he came out and said, I've been treated like shit. I will not continue to let myself get fucked. That's his quote. He said, and and I, I keep getting paid peanuts despite putting fans in the seats and selling tickets, and I have no understanding why it is that they're making it seem like me. I never said I didn't want that fight, and I also neither did my trainers, to which Eric Gomez came out with a retraction trying to clear it up. I'm here to tell you, this is a difficult situation because now with the announcement that came out that Canelo Alvarez is going to be fighting Kovalev, Sergey Kovalev on uh, November 2nd, it, he didn't fight on Mexican Independence Day, which is the weekend that he's known for it he's supposed to fight on. Mm-hmm. There was all the drama that ensued from that. Now you have the drama with this. The question becomes now, Gabe Rosado was here on the Ozone and was saying at that time how he didn't appreciate the, their promotional strategy and he was open for business somewhere else. He ends up on the zone. We haven't heard anything from Asa De La Hoya in this. And I just wonder what it is that's going on and what is the strategy for potentially getting other superstars if they see that this is how it goes down. Well, they actually did speak to Oscar De La Hoya during the broadcast yesterday. Oh, really? Uh-huh. He was saying that, the, you know, that he feels like they will be able to work out any situation that they're going through right now. Because this is the situation where he has to speak up because mm-hmm. he's the one that's been there as the champion and as the icon. And then he also said that, you know, back in the day that you actually fought not for money, but just because you like to fight. And that his kept it one hundred. That people actually get paid over there, and that he's you know willing to work or to do whatever he had to do to re- repair relationships. There you go. You know, so he spoke on it. He spoke on it. Uh, and and I, I mean, back in the day, people did definitely fought for it the wasn't love. for the money, <laughs> but at the because there wasn't any. But no. at the same time, fighting a guy on two days' notice is a tough call for anybody. Yeah, and then you you know you take a chance on getting work. You take a chance on getting work when you really every time you step in the ring, you take a chance on getting work. Right. But you take a chance on getting work when you for a guy you didn't prepare for. Right. And, and that's a bigger okay, you chance. Fight him. What? <laughs> Who is it? 
Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a that was a bizarre scenario. I was really surprised to see how that played out over social media. It just goes that's, to show yeah, where boxing is now. You it's know? not just boxing; it's the society. The yeah, it's the yeah, world. Yeah. We all handle our businesses hiding behind our phones or whatever, which is wild. Instead of having a phone call or having a conversation in person out. and ironing things out, because. I send text messages all the time to get lost in translation because, you, yes. you know, you're swiping. My, my swipe is off a little bit right now, too. Yeah, yeah. And then if you're, you're swiping and it's a, a word gets mixed in there that shouldn't or something, now we have a uh, whole conversation that's went left. Yep, because people are – it's about how they perceive it. Right. It's not necessarily how you intended it. Well, you can just jump on the horn or actually jump speak, on Sam Horn. Yeah, and just speak to somebody in person, which I know is hard now for the youngsters, but actually have a conversation. Yeah. yeah a lot of them aren't uh, skilled or trained to have a conversation. Yeah. So they get to hide behind that. Just as the, I feel exactly what you just said. They they hide behind the phones. Now let's finish off the boxing segment with this piece about all of these sanctioning bodies with all these belts. It seems like the heavyweight division is the only body or the only weight class that doesn't have multiple belts inside of the division. Right. The heavyweights and the cruiserweights. But besides that, there's so many different belts. You're talking about Canelo Alvarez is now taking a fight against Sergey Kovalev. Sergey Kovalev, it, realistically, in my opinion, now Canelo, I don't think he's scared to fight anybody. No, not and, personally. And he wants to fight. And he wants to be an, an, an a long-lasting icon. Yeah, he wants to be a primetime fighter. You know, and forever though. Yes. Not just 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 they, and, he wants you to think Canelo Alvarez and think champion. Yeah, and so like he's trying to pick up exactly, and he's trying to pick up a, another a belt in another weight class. My thing is, if you really want the belt, and this is the problem I have with all these sanctioning bodies with all these different belts. If you really want to be the champ at one seventy five, why fight the oldest champ with? The one who's been through many awards. Many awards. And really, that last fight could have been his last fight against Anthony Yard. Yes. That, that, I, I don't I don't think Sergey Kovalev poses anywhere near the threat to Canelo Alvarez that this young bull Bivol does or any of the other champs at that division do. Well, I think that the biggest thing that they're trying to bank on is that Kovalev is bigger than he is and he might catch him with one punch. Which is also possible. Which is but also possible. I've seen Canelo Canelo's Alvarez got take, a crazy chin. He's got a crazy chin. And I've seen him take Gennady Golovkin's uh, best punch. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. and Gennady, Several of them. Right. And Gennady's actually done damage to, to, to Kovalev. To Kovalev. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. But but these bodies, man, I just. It, how many belts are there the at 54? Lineal, how many the, belts are there at, at 47? How many belts are there? All of these different champions, all these different. Instead belts. of just making the fights, it's easier to make just a make belt. Just make the fights. Which is where that's I have easier to, to make say, a belt. Which is why I have to say, I agree. For once, you won't hear me say this much before you Mayweather on this one. Because after he beat Manny Pacquiao, he said, man, y'all can keep the belts. Y'all yeah. know what time it is when I fight. I'm the champ. Yeah. And that's just all it is to it. And if anybody wants to be considered the champ, they need to fight me. Belt, no belt. And then you save the 3% purse or whatever it is that these guys collect off of the belt, off of the council uh, saving on the belt, which is a, a, a hefty sum. It is. It's big money. That's big money you're talking about. And the last thing I want to say in the boxing segment is – my money is actually on Alexander Usyk to run the table in the heavyweight division. Usyk after watching, after watching Tyson Fury get in trouble last night with a, a tough fight, like an actual uh, a physical fight, I don't think that anybody in the heavyweight division, unless Anthony Joshua resurfaces as the dominant guy that he has been the last mm-hmm. four years, I don't think anybody else really wants to see somebody who's as fundamentally sound as Alexander Usyk. From the Southpaw. From the Southpaw, with a little not worrying about ever making weight, with that Eastern European toughness that we keep seeing now is more and more 
evident because they're, they're building. Drops. And <laughs> Usyk will get you out of there. Yeah. He gets you out of there, man. He was the only undisputed champion in the world for a long time. He had all the belts Until in his division. Until he gave it up to move up. And he gave it up to move up to, to fool with big money. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, let's see. Let's go. Yankees. Let's see what we want to fool with now when we're moving on. So let's talk about football now that we're here. Um, you said you had a lot of people hit you about AB. A lot of people people hit me about the Antonio Brown saga. They know that me and the Raiders are going through a divorce, but they also know that I don't. Man, it's not final yet. It's it's we, we're working out alimony, and you know you know how it goes. This the, thing the is lingering, and you know you know how it is. We got together a couple times on the <laughs> side. Ah, it's tough, but uh, AB. Since the last time we spoke to you guys, AB a- maneuvered his way out of Oakland with help of social media uh, firms and so on and so forth, figured out how to get out of his contract, signed a deal with the Patriots, which apparently was where he wanted to go in the first place, uh, was embraced by New England and Tom Brady, then accused uh, by his former trainer of rape uh, on three occasions, and still showed up in Miami today, embraced by the New England Patriots, and promptly balled out. Got him a touch. Got him a touch. <laughs> Got him what? He just wanted the teams tempted to touch. Um, the Patriots are showing you what they think about the allegations because they didn't sit them. Business as usual. Business as usual. Um, That's football in general. This is football unless you kneel. Yeah. Everything else is very acceptable. It, allegations of everything else. Don't get it twisted. I don't know. I'm not going to put cast it out there that he did anything. I don't know what happened. But. I actually think that this situation with Antonio Brown is unacceptable. If they can prove that he helped, he got help from a social media firm to concoct this master chess move from the word go because the Steelers would not have traded him. I don't know what the punishment is, but what I can say the problem is, is that every diva athlete that I've ever known or played a down, a sport, a pitch, a jumper, a minute with, We'll take note of this and all future divas will take note of this and recognize that they are incentivized once again by bad behavior. Yeah. This is another microcosm of the downtrodden nature of American society and Western society at large because the only thing that matters is winning and getting yours because there's a lot of people's lives and situations that have been disrupted by this situation you can argue that the Raiders' season was kind of hanging in the balance because they had really high hopes of him. And by the way, Pat Mahomes destroyed the Raiders today. He lit them up. And lit me up personally. He put up like 70-something in fantasy, and I'm going to lose my game by about 40 because of Pat Mahomes. He hooked me up because I had him on fan duel. <sighs> and uh, And once again, though, we're seeing it. We're seeing what we always see, which is as long as you win in American society, nothing else matters. If right. you're good at what you do, you can cry and complain and cheat and lie and steal and still come out on top. And it can take you all the way to the White House. It can take you to a potential uh, uh, $30 million deal with now he walked right out of $30 million and business is still booming because he right. stepped into a 9 or $10 million signing bonus plus an incentive-laden deal, which he plans to play. And he actually doesn't get hurt all that often, so he plans to collect all that cheese. Um, that's my take on A.B., for those who wanted to know, and if you're here, you probably wanted to know. What do you got for the situation? You know what? I'm so over the A.B. situation. He's not the only player in the NFL. 
And yeah. then the Patriots actually didn't need him. He was. No. <laughs> you have Josh Gordon now. They got a monster. Now they got yeah, a monster core, and they have a nice defense. So, but so the, this year it seems like we're playing the, the the regular season just to figure out who's going to have home field advantage in the AFC Championship game. Pretty much between the Patriots and and, and the Chiefs and the Chiefs. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, but you know this whole thing with AB is blown way out of the water it's it's more focus put on a b than the actual nfl now and the nfl has to get out of this whole thing where they're standing for something every time you look at them it's a black eye it's always something negative how can you ever celebrate anything positive from the nfl when's the last time you ever heard anything positive from the nfl it's been a couple of years now you know we have we've had the kneeling problem we've had the problem with the the president meddling in the kneeling problem now we have antonio brown who's Done everything that you can pretty much. And we've had all kind of, you know, allegations, rape allegations through the league. Why can't we just get to a point where we can focus on the positive of the game and the league? And and if it's not going to bring anything positive, then everybody probably should start looking other ways, other places. You know what I'm saying? Because it's it's ugly. Like you said, people are being rewarded for bad behavior. All over the league. All over the it's league. Not just a, it's, it's not just This league. is what I'm talking about. It's, it's all over the league. All over the league. And there has to be some kind of consequences. And in life, not. you know, and well, there's, but you don't have to worry about that. There's always consequences hey, in life. Everybody got to pay. You got to pay. Life, life is undefeated, folks. Right. There's consequences in life. You right. Think but you get away. None of us get away. But with the the youth out there, what are you establishing for them? So you're you're telling them that you can cheat, you can do whatever you want to do, whatever, and then there's a big payday at the end of the at the end of the road. And that's what the, the NFL is pretty much putting out there right now. They need to do some social media activism themselves to try to clean up their image. Oh, they got Jay-Z for that. Oh, we all forgot. So, well, so I wanted to cover something that you talked about um, off air. I don't even really want to talk much about the NFL. You guys are watching the NFL. You know what the scores were. You know what the stats were because you play fantasy like we do. But you brought up a great point off air. And it's that a good 70% of the teams in the NFL are garbage. The league is trash right now. <laughs> trash. <laughs> Shout out to <the> Ty. <laughs> there isn't any parity in the league. You literally have maybe five to seven good teams in the whole league. And after that, we can go run down the rosters or run down the teams, and you can say good, bad, or great and bad. You have the Chiefs that are elite. You have the Patriots who are an elite team. Um, the jury's still out on the Cowboys because they really haven't had to be tested so far. Right. And then who else? Beat who they're supposed to be. Yeah, they beat who they're supposed to be. I would say Philly is up on the high. Uh, Philly is on the high side of the list. Philly okay. is a team that can win. Okay. I say Ram time is real. Ram time is real. We're and, now, and now we're getting skinny. <laughs> I like to believe. Now that, we're really light. I, I like to believe that the Saints are real because the Saints can put up numbers. But now that Drew Brees just dislocated his finger, whatever it is that he did, broke his finger or his thumb. Who knows where the Saints are? You know what? And but what did that have to do with the uh, the Saints defense today? <laughs> Drew Brees does not play defense. Uh, by That's the way. And why? What is wrong with Todd Gurley? I got Todd Gurley on my fantasy league. They why won't let him Todd play. Todd Gurley get the ball. They won't let he him play. He messed up. Just tell me so I can go get uh, the other people. Damn. I think they're doing this weak thing where they're actually letting him trying to save him for the playoffs. And this is what's wrong with the league because if you it's were the pitch count, yeah, and if it's you the NFL version of the pitch count, and if you were entrenched and, and had a uh, an antagonist really that somebody that you a team that you were really worried about, you would let him play. But if, uh, until we see them going against a tough team, then we're not going to really see Ty Gurley get out there and get loose. Mm. So you're saying a no-go on the Saints. I have one more team that I would Who say is elite. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, come on, man. They, they snuck out a dub against who was that today? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's terrible. Pittsburgh is terrible. But Russell Wilson is elite. 
But and you're talking, Wilson, we're talking about the team. Wilson, we're not talking about the player. But we're, not, we're talking about the team. He we're not talking about the win. He can't do that when, and it comes to a big, a good team. We're going to say barely beat Cincinnati last week. Now they barely beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. The, the, the schedules. You can also say that the San Francisco 49ers are good. Now we, and this is being lenient and we've come up with. Being nice. Teams. You're being, I don't believe in We're coming up with six well, or seven teams. Ra- the Ravens are nice. The oh, the Ravens are nice. The Ravens are nice. The Ravens are real. Lamar Jackson is real. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, I'm literally looking at the teams. That's it. We're finished. Garbage. Denver's trash. Chicago's trash. Green Bay is low key trash. Green Bay has a better defense, but Aaron Rodgers is really not, you know, getting it done really right. Well, now. he looked good in the first half. Second half, he got shut down. Yeah. Minnesota suspect. Yeah. Uh, Carolina's trash. Atlanta's trash. Miami's <laughs> trash. Jacksonville Jaguars have a tremendous defense. I mean, they hold you to 13 points. I need to win the game if I hold the team to 13 points. Why don't you tell them how you really feel? It, trash. <laughs> Tampa Bay Bucks, garbage. You know why Tampa and the, the, the Houston Bucs, Texans, trash. The terrible thing about the, ja- the Jags were they could have won the game. Chargers, trash. Indianapolis, garbage. Detroit Lions, Freaky dancing. <laughs> I like a freaky dancing. Atlanta. A freaky dancing. Cincinnati. A freaky dancing. All those teams are garbage. All of them. All of them. The New York Giants, garbage. New York Jets. How about Tennessee? Garbage. Titans, bums. <laughs> Buffalo, don't talk to me. Wow. Garbage. Yeah. So what are we paying for? I talked to the people at the Rams. They want like a, a $25,000 thing now. You know, they do this thing where you buy your seat. But you don't buy the, the tickets to the seat. You buy the rights to the seat at these new stadiums. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a new that's a new thing. And I talked to them when they opened that Levi Stadium in Santa Clara because I was thinking about doing it for the, uh, for the 49ers. So then when you own the seat, you have first dibs on everything. Right. So when the when the concert comes, when the Olympics come, I remember when the World Cup comes, yeah. you know, and that's what they're doing at the, this eighth wonder of the world at, the, at this new SoFi It's an auction situation. So that you pay twenty five dollars to $50,000 for access to the seat. And then you pay, you have first dibs to buy the tickets for whatever event that it is that that's happening. Now, this thing is going to be a real marvel. So it may actually be worth the investment. Right. And from what I was told, the whole thing is based on Jack Nicholson. Really? Because Jack Nicholson made floor side seats so expensive to the Lakers, the actual seat that Jack Nicholson sits in, the tickets to the game may be $2,500 a seat, $5,000 a seat, whatever the number is. Jack Nicholson could sell you the rights to his seat to sit in Jack's seats if he wanted to for five or ten million dollars. Wow. Yeah. So now what they're doing is they're basically usurping the middleman and saying, no, we're going to sell you the rights to the seat. You do whatever you want to with it after that. So basically, if you don't have big cheese, we can't use you. Well played. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty impressed by the, the it's pretty smart. Actually, because if you think about it, the NFL's only got eight home games. What are they going to do? <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. So whatever. That's that's football for you. Uh, uh, and you know what? We're going to play a little segment right now from our rest of our conversation with Dr. D uh, about Rob Gronkowski and his statements about CTE. Now, you see the, the retired uh, New England Patriot tight end, arguably the greatest tight end ever, Rob Gronkowski, has been in the news lately because he's been championing cannabis as his post playing uh part of his post playing routine because he's been in this, you know he he got concussed so many times and so on and so forth. He says by his own estimate he thinks he's had about 20 concussions and he's been dealing with someone where he feels like he's fixed his CTE. 
and his potential for CTE because of all the damage from the concussions. Give me like okay, a so two-minute minute take right, on that. Right there, right there, you know your answer. One, he remembers he got hit 22 times. Hmm. That's good memory. Because I, I don't even know how many bar fights and how many times I've been hit in the head. But, <laughs> you know, I don't think I have a concussion, though I do sometimes end up in the wrong house. But I think, I, you know, concussion is just way overblown. You know, they do an EEG, which I, I've never seen it more accurate than 10% of the time. And then the IQ wow. test, you know, I think they should do IQs on any kid in sports starting grade school, high school, college, and then pro. And that way they can see if there's any kind of decline. Now, your question was about, CBD or marijuana, the two different types of things we're talking about. But I'm not nope. against Real, Really quick, really quick. Let me, let me add this little caveat because he also said that he was doing a series of neurologi- neurological exercises that his doctor and his therapist had him doing for his brain to help his brain heal up. So it's not only CBD and uh, marijuana. He also mentioned some, okay, some so brain that's exercises. Actually, that, right, and those are called cross-crawl patterns. It's, it's like you watch the Nazis when they march. You'll see one time they're goose stepping with the right arm, right leg. The next time you see him, right arm, left leg. And so it alternates both sides, which then refines your ability to balance and rapid eye coordination. So that really helps cross crawl. Then there's a TMS machine that looks like an Esther Williams uh, swimming cap. There's four electrodes on it, and they're using it all over the all over the country now. It just got legal last year to um, re- reboot the brain, kind of. And I've seen it in PTSD work within one to two weeks, concussion syndromes, just about as quick. Um, it's, so those are the two things I would do. I mean, there's also, you know, tyrosine, tryptophan, you know, GABA, a bunch of other stuff you can take to help improve the chances. And there's a bean called the Makuna, which is the velvet bean from the rainforest that is pretty much all natural L-dopamine. So get your dopamine checked, serotonin levels, and adjust it to what your needs are. So I, you know, there's a lot of stuff. You can even, to recur the, the balance and get it better, you can paint what looks like stair steps in a room and make that person walk around. Because when they see steps, something in the brain actually tells them to step a certain way. So that gets them better. Even with wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That's wild. Wow. No, it's, 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 it's really pretty easy, but um, I, as a neurological out is wild. Most right. You know, <laughs> whoever figured that piece out is wild. That's wild. That was a nurse who worked at a hospital back east, and her dad had Parkinson's, and she noticed that when everybody went up and down the stairs, his tremor stopped. So she had somebody come in and paint from her living room and her kitchen and bathroom these three-dimensional steps, and he just walks just fine now. Whoa. Uh, moving on. Want to talk about baseball because we're almost there to my favorite time of the year, which is October. It's my birthday. We have three birthdays in our family there. It's also two of my brother's birthdays. And it's always the Major League Baseball playoffs, which there's nothing like. And basketball starts and football is going. This is. And it's puck time, too. Puck is popping. Optimus Prime. <laughs> this is, it's coming up. We got two weeks to go. Um, now, I think that the Atlanta Braves could find themselves in the World Series. <laughs> Definitely. They definitely could. They definitely could. Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> what they have. Because what they have with the Dodgers against over the Dodgers is they have pitching. They have a bullpen, you know, and the Dodgers really don't have a bullpen. And it comes down to the bullpen a lot, and the Dodgers are still fooling Kenley on the back end. And so the the playoffs are forming up. The Braves just took two out of three from the Nationals, which hurt their chances because the Nationals actually have pitching as well. And their team just is – they have no backside. They have no bullpen. Well, now – They have offense. What I heard a number, which I was surprised about, about Max Scherzer in the postseason. 
and he's Clayton Kershaw. He's he's not the, the, the East most, Coast version. He's they not said. the most clutch guy. Um, yeah, but you haven't seen Patrick Corbin there. No, and I like the big fella. Not Steven Strasburg. <laughs> I like the big fella in general. I love his stuff. Yeah, I love it plays. His work. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a word. It's master class on master class. <laughs> he and knows how, piece. He and knows how to pitch and, and a big curve if he wants to pull it out. Yeah. He's yeah. got it all. Um, and in a one game situation, you don't know how the games would shake out, but it's going to come down to the wire. Well, I like the Braves because they have that no fear attitude, you know, and it's very, very important when you're dealing with and the youngsters. Al- and they also look like they're having a blast. Right. They look like, they look like grown men playing a child's game. And they're not playing around with analytics. It doesn't look like it. doesn't look like that. Yeah. Also, the San Louis Cardinals, like I said, at the beginning of the season, have a chance yeah. to get to the World Series. They got to win that wild card or the division, and they're stretching that out on the Cubs. And then today, the injury bug hit again. Did you see what happened with Anthony no. Rizzo? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. The ankle, they had to carry him off, right? They had to carry him off, and that looked like a severe sprain. They said it's not broken. I guess they got an MRI and said it's not broken. But that you stretch those ligaments out, man. It's tough to play first base and. To but you know what they're going to do, which is even which is awesome. Not awesome that Anthony Rizzo got hurt, but they're going to probably move Wilson Contreras to first base when he comes back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wilson Contreras is banging. He's banging. Well, but I'm not. I'm not saying that's the problem. The problem is the hole that Anthony Rizzo leaves in their lineup because he is somebody they look to. Yeah. Now Chris Bryant is swinging the stick right now. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber is swinging the stick right now. Javi Baez got that injury bug, which ended up making me lose my fantasy uh, league in baseball. But getting Wilson Contreras back changed their whole lineup just It ASAP. does, but this is what I'm saying. If you have Wilson Contreras back, you know, to compliment Anthony Rizzo. Forget about it. Yeah. Anthony Rizzo puts together great at-bats. Yeah, you but, watch Anthony Rizzo. He plays a game the But right what, right. what the Cardinals are doing right now, because even Adam Wainwright looks halfway decent. And Jack Flaherty. has got it all. Yeah, Jack, Jack Flaherty's Flaherty, best pitcher in baseball. Best pitcher in baseball right now. I think he's given up, what, three runs or something in the last four games? They said since the All-Star break, I think I want to say this. His I, ER I is not it, even one. It's like .79 or something crazy yeah. like that. You should he be in, has shut people yeah, down. You should be in the running for Cy Young because Hunchun is falling apart, too. Yeah. I, and I think it's just a, a stamina issue. Oh, no question. Because he's had uh, arm problems for so long that now that he hit his peak, he kind of peaked at the wrong time. Right. Which is tough. Um, nothing you can do about that if you're him. Nothing you can do about that. And big news, Mike Trout is out for the season. Uh, Dr. D has something to say about that. I want you to talk about Mike Trout, and I don't know if you're aware as well of what's going on with uh, the our MVP with Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich is uh, the kid that that won the MVP last year. He was on his way, well on his way to win it again potentially this year. His numbers are insane, and he has a fracture on his patella. It kind of made me think of how mine was apt to slip out. He got a fracture on his patella from a foul yeah, ball. I, I can you get, saw I can that? Get a, I can, my, my, both my kneecaps have been broken when I was playing baseball. Because, you know, a pitcher, they, they try to hit it at you. Yep. It sounds like a bamboo you know, on the floor. But <clears throat> it really doesn't have much blood supply. So the, the trick there to get to heal within a few weeks <clears throat> is you can drill into the adjoining fracture areas, which creates, you drill into the bone just a little bit, creates blood. And then sometimes you can use, like, uh, PRP and all that kind of stuff, but isolate it, tape it so it stays in the right place. And um, it's, it's not a, a playing, like, restriction, particularly these that goes to designate a batter. I just got to hit it and then jog to first base because he's so good at hitting. You know, yeah, you, you, you ain't never lied. <laughs> the best, actually. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, I, I, you know, the, the problem is these pro teams, though, they, they have these contracts with these certain doctors. I won't mention the doctors around here, like the Rams and, and some of the other teams that, that they quietly come to my office about, you know, 
too much fanfare because they, if they can't cut it, screw it. They, um, they just pull you out for the season, but kneecaps mine have both been healing fine. And I have, you know, I actually, you know, walk pretty good when I'm not in the wheelchair. The, um, <laughs> but, but the other one is I saw that Mike Trout, they said Morton's neuroma and it just kind of acutely happened. He saw him limping and they're going to schedule him for surgery. I've never in 40 years seen anything but disasters with that surgery where they move that plantar nerve where it goes through the toes. Really? That's caused by one, the cleats. You patient, people need to know how to look at cleats for each sport. Pitchers, they always get heel pain because the cleats are so in the wrong position. Then they land on the ball of toe, which they have a cleat at. You should move it in about an inch inside of that. They're just, just physiologically, it's just, they're idiots. So what he did is somehow he ran dropped his arch across underneath his toes that compresses the heads of the toes or the metatarsals where the nerves perforate through there to get to the skin and the muscles on the top of the foot. So I, I have never seen one take more than two weeks to heal when they come to my office. It's just too freaking easy. But when they go in there and cut it, you know, it hurts the capsule of the toe, which then gets adhesive capsulitis or scarring. Then the toes stay stiff. And it's like Tommy John, you know, you, once you've had it done, it's like you have to do it forever. And so the Mortons, yeah, it could, if they do surgery, it could screw it up. I, you know, I even tried to call the, the angels, um, um, hotline and tell them, you know, you give me, give me 10 days with Mike Trout and he'll start playing. So, wow. But, and potentially it's, save it's, $430 million. So yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you try something that's kind of conservative, you know, where yeah, it reduces that, that's pressure, a big raises investment. up the art? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, there's always different ways to do it with a cold light laser, which helps it heal because it increases circulation at a certain depth. Then there's a couple of little simple shots, like less than a quarter of a cc. You know, I do prolo and stuff. On that area, you raise up the sodium a little bit and a little bit more marcaine for the pain. But by the time they walk out of the office, I've never in 40 years seen somebody when they walk out to say, oh, it still hurts. It stops in about three to four minutes after you do it. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's also probably could be a, a muscle called the anterior tibialis, which you guys know when you, when you run, if your foot flaps, we used to all call shin splints. But when the anterior tibialis, which is the reins on a horse, when, when the foot comes down, that muscle is supposed to slow it down so it doesn't impact hard. So when it impacts hard because that muscle is weak, which is really easy exercise in two weeks, you can make that muscle twice as strong. Anyway, so the foot slaps the ground and that arch drops down like a spring and then sometimes it just doesn't come back. So you can fix that. It's, it's really a piece of cake. Well, we got information there on uh, on Mike Trout's injury and Christian Yellow. It's crazy, right? It's wild. This is wild stuff that we're talking about here. Wild stuff. Nobody wants to see the Oakland A's right now. Nope. Um, the American League, we really don't know what's going to happen. But we know that Dave Dombrowski is unemployed. <laughs> Again, a year after winning the World Series in arguably the most dominant season that we've seen. I can't remember a team that was just dominant from pillar to post like the Red Sox were. The Houston Nationals a couple of years ago in 2017 were. They weren't that. They went seven games with the Dodgers. They, they weren't as dominant. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not I'm talking. Saying, no, I'm talking I'm about saying, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. That's what I'm saying. The Houston Nationals were the most dominant team. They they started in first and they ended in first. The problem the problem with Dave Dombrowski is that he didn't go out and get any pitching and <laughs> and he can't do his, that. And he let his closer go. Yeah, and you can't do that. He let his closer yeah. go and never never replaced him. And the pitching that he did have on the backside, which was Joe Kelly more or less, and Matt he, Barnes, he got rid of. Yeah. He got rid of these guys. Yeah. So what were you planning do on doing? And they don't like to go to the farm. Now Boston is used to winning. 
Yeah. Boston is title town. Beantown has won more titles in this century than any other city. Wow. So as far as I can tell, Bruins got them one. Boston has like the, the Reds. Over the Yankees? Like five. Over the, the Yankees. I'm talking about the city. Oh. Over New York. Okay. Over the city. Over any city you can name in the United States. Boston has won NBA championships. Mm-hmm. They've won Major League Baseball championships, plural. Forget about the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> they, and they won, snuck them in some hockey. Snuck some puck in. True story. This is a serious problem. I do believe they got one in hockey. That could be talking crazy, but I think they got one. I think the Bruins hockey. got them one. I think they got one. Um, I know they lost one as well to the Blackhawks, I do believe, but I think We want to talk one. about the ones they won. Because they brought it home to Boston. Yeah. At which point, Boston in general is not down with losing anymore. The curse and all this stuff, that's out. But I don't understand why they picked games. up Dave Dombrowski in the first place. I mean, you can't argue with it because they got they won the chip. I mean, but a lot of those pieces that they had, they were already in play. Somehow or another, Dombrowski did put some more things together that made it work. And the other thing that happened in Boston is that David Ortiz made a stirring return. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was right after Dave Dombrowski got fired. I wonder if Big Poppy pushed the button on him. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, he looked great, and, and he, he had some really strong words. You go look up that article about how this is not like the movies. I got shot, and it's not like you get up two minutes later. He's yeah. Like, I've had several surgeries. My life is in danger. I only got one life to live. He was and talking about he was thinking about giving up at one point. Yeah, he's conducting his own. Uh, Big fellow was in pain. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about him. You heard the clip from Tyson Fury earlier. You know, it, it doesn't stop just because you're rich or famous, folks. So if you're going through something, you're just going through something, and you have to reach Welcome out to, to life. friends and family and reach internally for your fortitude to get through it. Yeah, life is rough. Life is hard. I pray that you lean on faith in the Lord. Myself. Yeah. Uh, and so. We have no idea who's making the playoffs. All in, the in twins general. clinched. Twins clinched. The twins hit a lot of bombs, but I'm not necessarily Just like Eugenio Suarez. And like yeah. Eugenio. Did Eugenio you see has that 47 thing? now? Did He's you tie with Pete Alonso? And did you see that ticket that was up on that site where you can do? The- no. What was it? Oh, you'd love this. Eugenio Suarez on Thursday had a situation where he, uh, you could potentially somebody made a prop bet. That Eugenio Suarez would win the uh, home run championship, and it pays eight to one, and it was a five hundred dollar, eight hundred dollar bet. How much you get back? So that you get sixty four hundred dollars back or something like that. <sighs> but you could bought the ticket for five hundred bucks. Ooh, and that was when Pete Alonso was up by three. I think Pete's still gonna get him. You think Pete's gonna get hot and yeah. get it done? I don't know. Guys going deep. I tell you that. Although the Reds playing the homer dome, right? Um. Another thing that I want to cover in college football, we're going to give you a, a, a college football segment on its own this week coming up, folks. But um, because of the timing, it didn't work out. If you didn't know, I've been working on a show called The Unicorn. It takes up a lot of my time. But Tim Tebow said something that got people all riled up, and I'm very interested to, to hear your take on it. I feel like I, I have a little credibility and knowledge about this because when I was at the when I was at the University of Florida, I think my jersey was one of the top selling jerseys around the world. Uh, it was like Kobe, LeBron, and then I was right behind them, and I didn't make a dollar from it. But nor did I want to because I knew going into college what what, what it um, what it was all about. I knew going to Florida, my dream school, where I wanted to go, the passion for it, and if I could support my team, support my college, support my university, that's what it's all about. But now we're changing it from 
from us, from we, from my university, from being an alumni where I care, which makes college football and college sports special, to then, okay, it's not about us, it's not about we, it's just about me. And yes, I know we live in a selfish culture where it's all about us, but we're just adding and piling it onto that, Mm. where it changes what's special about college football. We turn it into the NFL, where who has the most money, that's where you go. That's why people are more passionate about college sports than they are about NFL. That's why the, 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 um, the stadiums are bigger in college than they are in the NFL. Because it's about your team. It's about your university. It's about where my family wanted to go. It's about where my grandfather had a dream of seeing Florida win an SEC championship. And you're taking that away so that young kids can earn a dollar. And that's just not where I feel like college football needs to go. That's fair, that man. Up- First of all, with Tim Tebow, what he's saying – what he's talking about in a lot of these places where they don't even have professional teams, that's where you get a lot of college, you know, people going into the stands and filling up those seats in college sports. Not to say that, you know, if they had a professional team there, it would make a big, big difference as far as college football, or whatever. But he's losing focus because he actually would, I don't want to say he's an elite. He was an elite guy, but he's a guy who, who's pampered in a sense where he didn't ever have to worry about eating or anything like that. He, he knew where his, he knew he had support, a support system. Most of the guys go to college. They don't have a support system like he had. So if they sold his Jersey or if you're sitting around and you can't afford to eat at night because I have a scholarship, then you're in trouble, man. You're literally in trouble. You're out there, you're out there trying to devise or figure out ways to survive while you're out there at college because you have a full ride because the school can't give you any money and nobody else can give you any money either. So for myself, I learned how to play dominoes and, and you know, you figure out how to gamble a little bit here and there just so you can supplement your income because I can't get anything. I can't get a job. I can't do anything. So when Tim Tebow talks about all that, I mean, he's, he's at a different place and a different level. So most of the guys that are in college need to have some kind of money coming in. First of all, I want to say I usually am a Tim Tebow supporter because I believe Tim Tebow was greatly discriminated upon because of his openness of his Christianity and his faith. I agree. And I supported him in the NFL. I supported him in his trying to chase his major league dream. Uh, I support him for standing, you know, standing up for his own faith. In this situation, I think Tim Tebow is totally and completely wrong. He's Uh, off the mark. And I also think that – it's a situation where privilege is the word that you're looking for. Yeah, that's it. Thank Tim you. Tebow has lived a life that is completely different, clearly, than the majority of the college athletes, especially football players, but athletes in college that receive scholarships. The reason these schools do so well and have these insane endowments is because they're turning over millions and millions of dollars on billions. the backs of these athletes, primarily guys that are from underprivileged societies, parts of society. So you're going to tell a guy, I'll give you an example. When I was in school, the guy that used to cut our hair was the point guard on the basketball team. It was five bucks for a haircut. When you got your hair cut, just in case anybody was a narc, you had to leave your $5 on the dresser like the barber was a prostitute and just leave it there like you just happened to forget five because you couldn't give him the $5 because technically he could not earn any money on the outside. Now, another issue that he talked about was uh, he said he said something to the effect, and I need to listen to it again, but he said something to the effect of then it becomes like the NFL where you just go whoever has the most money. Duh. 
That's what's happening now. What do you think happened? Why do you think all of the biggest programs have the best players? Right. Because they have money and they have boosters who are funneling kids' money anyways. They're just doing it in such clandestine ways that it actually causes people to go to prison and causes all kind of different problems. And one other piece that I want to add along to to co-op what you're saying, you know, I know guys and I knew guys in college that got into major trouble because they were doing some sort of a hustle that dibbled and dabbled with being illegal and they lose their scholarship, which they were the hope of their family and so on and so forth. And they went back home or they went to jail and they disrupted their lives because they did not have any money to eat with themselves or the people who that they were trying to help support in their families didn't have any money and they were the oldest son or right. they were the, the, the whatever. Now, all of this stems from the, as usual, California's a trailblazer and California State Senate passed a bill that said guys should get paid. And I definitely believe guys should get paid. I think that they should get paid in a system that is thought through and that is set based on your years of service. Even if you don't only get a certain amount of it now and it's put in a trust or in an annuity until you graduate and it gets incentivized as you continue on or whatever, there's got to be some incentive to continuing your education because the education that a guy gets while he's in college in comparison to the fact that another person not at practice all day or at games all day receives a better quality education. You can't tell me that if you play at Old Miss and you go deep into the, the college world series, or if you play at Duke and you go deep into the NCAA tournament that you are actually going to your classes and fulfilling the education not experience possible. that you would have if you weren't doing that. Not possible. But if you weren't playing the sport, you wouldn't be invited to be at this high-end campus. So here's the catch-22 here. So an individual saying that somebody can't get paid off of what it is that college is for. College is supposed to be there for you to learn what it is that you do in society that brings the ability for you to maintain your livelihood for yourself and your family. A lot of these guys have found that early. And it is so anti-American and so anti-capitalistic to say that somebody else can get paid off of that and you can't. It's downright slavish talk, to be honest. You're pimping. That's what it is. Well, what's good, pimping? It's pimping. <laughs> big pimping. That's what it is. And they should figure out some kind of way to pay. You know, they have to give them something. They should have to get, be able to give them something. Something. But the coaches can't give you anything. You can't get gas money. You can't get meal Meanwhile, money. The coaches are making seven figures a year, depending on what, what sport it is. And they write off your name forever. If you go to any oh, of these colleges goodness. or whatever, I bet you'll see Marcus Allen's name up there. They write you'll off see, their name you know, forever. Forever. They're up there forever, and they're writing them. When you go on a recruiting trip, they'll say, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah went here, or this person yep. went here. And, you know, it's – but they got nothing while they were there, not supposedly. So, like you said, everything is clandestine in that situation. It's a really bad look. Really, really bad look. I think Tim Tebow is way off the mark. And Des Bryant came out and, you know, banged on him about it as well. As he should. Yeah. As everybody should. And if you've ever been in the spot, it's such it's so weird to hear somebody who is – but you're well versed and also so far gone. Right. But this is the privilege. You know, this is the privilege. And he was privileged and he was a college quarterback, a big time college quarterback, big time college. quarterback, And so, you know, that he had a, had a big time yeah. uh, uh, program, big time program. Um, so we have a couple calls this week. Once again, folks, we want to invite you to call in. The number is 424-254-9663. That's 424-254-ZONE. 
And let's hear what the callers have to say. The Baltimore Ravens does not, I repeat, does not get a lot of press time. I don't care if they, they won the Super Bowl in 2012, I believe. They, they make these good moves. We got a great quarterback. We could beat the Steelers 10 times. We could go as far, but we get no love for Baltimore Ravens. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick and sick and tired of it. Talk about Dallas Cowboys all day. Pittsburgh Steelers all day. Then back to Dallas Cowboys again. I'm sick of it. He's sick of it. He's sick of it. He didn't even give us his name. I would like to know. He came in and got busy. Whoever that was, hey, brother, we're with you. We showed Baltimore love. We are not like the president. We think it's a fabulous city. You need some help. And you guys got a hell of a football team out there. Maybe one of the best, if not the best. It's on the top side, for sure. It's in the top five. Yeah. And you got a great coach. Yeah. And also, um, get your baseball team together. I mean, I know you're talking about the Ravens, but I'd like you to get your Orioles game together because what you put out on the, the product you put out is not befitting of a, of a city like Baltimore right now and or of that fantastic stadium you have. Next call. Yo, what up, boys? It's Big Guap. Guap uh Detroit Dave's homie. Man, I'm calling y'all because I got a hot take of, of my own. Uh, some baseball talk. You know, I'm a huge Dodger fan. Uh, I fucking bleed blue. You know, been a fan since I was a baby, since I was in the womb, I should say. And so you you know how hard my fandom is for this team. But as much as I love this team, I got to say, I, well, I want y'all's opinion. So I dis- agree or disagree. While Dave Roberts is the manager of the Dodgers, the Dodgers will never win a World Series championship. Now, the reason I say that is because we've gone two in a row. We went back to back, right? And both series, I feel especially the Houston one, could have been won by making simple managerial decisions that you do based off of gut and instinct. But Dave Roberts chooses to only stick to analytics, which are way overblown in sports now, okay? Everyone wants to talk about shifts and, like, spin rate on the ball and all this type of stuff and, you know, lefty versus lefty and all these matchups. But when you have a workhorse, when you've got a stallion like Clayton Kershaw, on the bench, okay, for a game seven against the Astros, nobody's going to question if you if you go down, if Clayton Kershaw goes out there and gives up five runs in the first inning, nobody's going to question that, oh, we shouldn't have put Kershaw in. But you put in Darvish? Why? Because the numbers say so? No. No way, man. No way. It's just you, you have to – baseball is obviously uh, a thinking game, but it's also a game of instinct. And you you have to analyze the situation and have the and you know have the cojones to make that decision, man. To to make the the one that the books say you shouldn't make and take that risk. That's what the Astros did, you know. Red Sox were uh, they just outplayed. Them. Big guap! Wow, hot take. I like it. And I'm wearing a Dodger hat right now, my friend. And I can tell you something. I disagree on the question you asked, will they win a World Series as long as Dave Roberts is manager? I don't think Dave Roberts' job is in danger, and I think Dave Roberts has the potential to be a Tommy Lasorda-esque kind of figure in Los Angeles. I do think that Dave Roberts is at the behest of other people who force him to make analytical decisions. To me, that's why his job is at stake, because he's mm. the one that's going to have to take the fall for potentially w- once all the analytics don't pan out. Because Which they don't. I'm like, I'm like, wow, I, I completely agree, because Dave Roberts is the one who's 
who actually won the the Red Sox a World Series by his gut instinct. He sure did. You know what I'm saying? So you can we can't blame that on him because we have these guys sitting in the room, geeks who are telling actual baseball players how to actually play the game. It doesn't work like that. Most of those stats come after the fact. You know what I'm saying? And they come from 160 uh, 163 game sample size, yeah. 162 game sample size, or maybe even more that they've dissected into uh, what do you want to call them? But but that they dissected and expect to work in five and seven series formats, right. which don't work but with that that's a great point actually because the other point is with that even if dave roberts decides to make a gut call and go against the analytics if that call is coming from up top his job is in danger of being taken away that's a very uh, and his job is in danger of being taken away anyway because everybody's blaming him so if guap so if guap thinks that the whole the whole city is blaming just like that because they think that he's in charge of something that he's actually not in charge of so basically he's a prop and he's sitting out there, and he probably gets to make a few calls. But once it comes to the playoffs and everything else, they're probably calling him down there or sending him some papers or emails or text messages while he's sitting in the dugout and telling him, hey, uh, lefty on lefty. If if Dave I, – I believe in my heart that if Dave Roberts had to make a decision, if he can move Cody Bellinger up, in that, up or down in that lineup, that he would do it. But with the situation that he's in I, now – I also think that if, if it was up to Dave Roberts to manage the team – 100% that they probably would have already got a World Series and or would get one in the near future. Right. He has tremendous baseball instincts. But now he's going to get blamed and everybody thinks that he doesn't actually have the instincts that he actually has. Which he already showed which in Breaking already the Curse. Shown. Yeah, exactly. So it's not his fault. I mean, I really don't want to put that on him. Yeah. And he can't pass up that cheese. What's he supposed to do? <laughs> what, what, what can I do? What are you up for Dave? I'm running prop. <laughs> but listen, uh, prop eight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, great call. Thanks, Guap. You're welcome to call in any time, man. Uh, just tighten up. You have a long, <laughs> you're long winded because you, you're passionate, and I love you for that. You got anything else you want to add? Uh, that's it. All right, folks, that's all we got for you today. Thanks for rocking with us. We hope your week is fantastic and uh, productive. Want to leave you with a quote that I really love. I think I might have gave it to you before. I just I love this one so much. It's a man that has at least. A man has a man has made at least a start on discovering the meaning of human life when he plants shade trees under which he knows full well he will never sit. That's just so deep. Do something for somebody else, folks. It's not all about you. I'm your host, Omar Miller, and I'm hoping to step outside and to be back in California where it is not humid. And this is the Ozone. Ozone. I'm just living the dream. With the lights, this is not just a game. This here is my life. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put the cameras on me, yeah.